Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, growing in faith and friendship. And I have to say, after Rian praying earlier, I sort of think, well, she said everything that I was going to say, so I might as well go home, really. So, <laughs> But since I'm here, uh, I'm going to read those first um, uh, few verses from Galatians 5 again. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now what I want you to do is to just close your eyes for a minute. Now I want you to imagine that you're tied up. You can't move your hands, you can't move your feet. You're a cell somewhere. Imagine that at any moment a guard could come in and take you out and execute you. So you're in fear of death. And it can happen any time. That is what your life was like before you were a Christian. You can open your eyes again now. Because that's what not being in freedom is like. Being enslaved. Captured. Would you want to go back to that? And yet, actually, we live our lives as though we are enslaved still sometimes. And I want to go through this morning some of the things that we actually have freedom from, just to remind us. So the first thing is freedom from the law. Now, the bit in uh, Galatians 5 that Tracy didn't read because it was like praised down because it's quite a long chapter was the fact that Paul was writing this letter to the Galatians because there were some Jews who had got into uh, the Galatian congregation and they were trying to force the Christians there um, back into the Jewish law. So all the things that Jews kept in the law... They were trying to get the Christians to do. And Paul was saying, you're set free from that because of Christ dying on the cross. You're no longer under under the law. One of those things was circumcision. Now, that doesn't have an awful lot of um, relevance, you might think, to us because we're not Jews, we're not under the Jewish law. And as far as I know, under the Baptists, you don't have to be circumcised. uh, Unless I've seen something in the small print that uh, isn't right. But So... It would appear that that's not relevant. But we do have laws of our own, made-up laws, things that hold us back. For instance, you'll go into some churches, some places where you don't drink alcohol, and they frown on you if you drink alcohol. Wearing smart clothes in church. There are some churches where if somebody comes in dressed like I am, you're frowned on because, you know, you should dress up to go to church. Or speaking quietly. I remember um, years ago going to Anglican churches, you sort of had to whisper when you went in. So I don't know why, but that was just one of those traditions that people did. In our church, we had a sort of battle over a cloth that went over the top of the communion cups. And it was like a, one of these doilies, you know, these white sort of doilies with little patterns. And it always went over the communion cups. And nobody knew quite why, 
but that was one of the traditions that was there. And if it was removed, people would frown on it and say, what are you doing? This is terrible. And it had become a little law. And the fact that we have somebody preaching at the end of the service, why? Why not have the preaching at the beginning? And then you can worship what I preached afterwards and say, oh, how wonderful it was. But we just have certain laws and traditions. Now, there's nothing wrong with those as long as they don't get in the way at any stage and we can be flexible and they don't restrict us unnecessarily. Are there any little laws in your own life and everyday things that you do? Do you always have fish on Fridays or a Sunday roast? Or do you always go to Auntie Rita's on, at Christmas? And any deviation from that is wrong. And you think, oh, we can't possibly go somewhere else for Christmas. We can't possibly do something different. And they're little laws that we've made for ourselves. And we're set free of all of those things. So as well as being set free from the law, we're also set free from fear. Now, anybody who's probably younger than me, you'll probably find that one of the main things you worry about is money. And you think, oh, especially if you've got young children, um, or even older children, actually, um, money seems to just go away from you. It sort of gets, it just disappears. And it's something that you worry about. And somebody told me after a certain age, you stop worrying about money and you start worrying about your health. And I think I've just got to that point now where I've started taking my first tablets. And uh, there's some like, regular ones. And I've never, I, for a long time, like 30 years, I never went to the doctors at all. And now I seem to be there all the time for one thing or another. And so, you know, money's not a problem now. You think, well, we've got enough to live on. We don't have a huge income, but our kids have gone off now. They've got incomes of their own. They don't live at home anymore. And, you know, you also don't sort of feel that you need lots of things. And, and so money is no longer an issue. But now I start thinking, oh, what about that funny ache I've got in the knee? Is, is it getting worse? Or, you know, and you start worrying about health instead. Now, of course, there are other things that you worry about as well. But under Jesus, we are set free from those fears and worries because the Holy Spirit is our comforter. One of my favorite pieces in Acts is where Stephen is stoned. And you just think it's amazing that he's there in full of the Holy Spirit and there are all of these Pharisees coming, throwing rocks at him and knowing that he's going to die. And yet he has that wonderful ability to say, you know, don't, Lord, don't hold this sin against them because he's so full of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we should be like. We are set free from all fear because we have Jesus with us. Another thing we're set free from is addiction. Now, I love it when you can read in some paperbacks and you sort of see uh, people who become Christians and then suddenly they're no longer um, addicted to alcohol or drugs Um, But there are other addictions that we have as well. You might be addicted to watching TV. Spending all your time in front of the TV. You can actually be addicted to football. I'm sure a lot of blokes here would say, well, yeah, yeah, it's true. But you can also be addicted to fashion or music. You can be addicted to money, where everything 
you do is geared to earning more. You can be ad addicted to your job if that is more important to, to you than anything else. And even your friends. If your friends matter to you more than anything else, that is an addiction. They're things that rule your life over everything else. And one of the greatest things that we're set free from is death. Because when Christ died, he conquered sin and death. That's what some of the choruses we were singing this morning just talk about that, how Jesus conquered death. And that means that no matter what happens to us, when we die, we've got eternal life with him. And that's an amazing thing. And sometimes we forget that. And one of the most important things that we need to remember is freedom from the past. The Bible says that you were born again. You're a new creation. Now, sometimes on the media, they talk about um, born-again Christians as though they're a different type of Christians to everybody else. Well, there is only one type of Christian, and that is a born-again Christian. Because we are new creations. And it says in Scripture, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, you might have been brought up as a Christian, and you say, well, I can't actually think of an actual date when I became, you know, actually sort of became what I would call a Christian. And it was just like a gradual realisation. I, for instance, I can tell you that uh, on March the 12th, 1976, at about half past 12, I became a Christian. I was in school, I was in a Christian Union, and they had an evangelist called Corky Davy who was doing one of those sketchboards things with what well, they paint in all the letters. And I gave my life to the Lord at that point. And I remember coming home and my mum, telling my mum, saying, oh, I've become a Christian, mum. And she said, hmm, yeah, well, you won't mind doing the washing up every day then. <laughs> and I sort of... <laughs> but I can pinpoint that one point where I gave my life to the Lord. Maybe you're different. Maybe you just grew up in a Christian family and you just sort of like, it was a realisation. But there will have come a time, the fact that you're here, when you realise that Christ had died for you. And at that point, whatever that realisation was, that was when you became a new creation. And because you're a new creation, that means that you're not tied to anything that happened before then. That means you're set free from all the circumstances of your past. So if you had a terrible upbringing, you lived in poverty or uh, violence, or your friends were in gangs, whatever, you're set free from all that. Maybe your parents treated you badly. And you say, well, I'm like I am because of my parents. I had a terrible upbringing. They were cruel to me. I was beaten or whatever. And that's the way I am. Or Jesus says, you are a new creation. Everything else, all of that is gone. You're set free from that. That's what being born again is like. It's like nothing happened before then. That also means that you're able to forgive. Because very often we hold on to bitterness from things that happened to us in the past. 
unforgiveness, whether it be how you were treated at school by your friends or enemies, how you were treated by your siblings, your brothers and sisters, or your parents, you can, you can be free because we hang on to bitterness and we hang on to anger. We can be free because we can be set free to forgive. Now, it's not easy to forgive, and it starts off with an act of will. And as we forgive those people as an act of will, gradually the emotions come with it. Tracy and I have had situations in our church, for instance, where we've had difficulties with our leadership, and it's been really hard to forgive. Um, You do have to do it as an act of will. And sometimes it takes months and months and months, and sometimes years. But you get to that point where you say it so much, and you bring it in prayer so much, that that relationship is healed. And we have a fantastic relationship with our pastors now and it's, it's great after having some difficulties in the past we're also set free from genetics have you ever been in that situation where you sort of thought well my mum or my dad died of this disease so well it's a good chance that I'm going to die of it as well we know somebody um, who um, was a twin and one twin died at the age of something like 42, 45, something like that. And so when he approached that birthday, he thought, oh, and actually he couldn't have approached that birthday. <laughs> He's a twin. Uh, but when he realised that his twin had died, he thought, well, my time is short. I'm going to go as well. So we can be caught up psychologically subconsciously by the fact that whatever our um, relations have had as an illness, that somehow we should get it. But as I said, we are set free. We are born again. We have, in a sense, a new parents in the Holy Spirit. We're also set free from guilt. We talked about when we have unforgiveness because of what people who have wronged us. Well, what about when we have wronged other people? You may be divorced. You may have treated people badly at work in the past. Or treated your brothers and sisters badly. And you just sort of, there's that feeling of guilt that hangs over your life. Now, of course... What Jesus says to you is put it right if you can. But sometimes it's not possible. Maybe that person has died, moved away, won't speak to you. But what I will say to you is Jesus died for that guilt. Jesus has set you free. If all of our sin is wiped out to the point where God doesn't even remember it, then what are we doing hanging on to it ourselves? If we say, oh, Lord, I'm really sorry about, um, you know, something, and I, I, you know, some, some situation, and God will turn around and say, well, what? What are you talking about? Because it's gone out of his memory, inverted commas. He no longer, it's not an issue to God, because when Christ died, he died once and for all, for all your 
sin, all your guilt, all washed away. So I want to repeat so you're really clear about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. But hang on, you might say to me. Well, how come if I am set free, I'm no longer a slave to sin? How come I still get all these feelings? How come I'm still fearful? How come I'm still feeling guilty? Well, some of you will remember um, a series back in the 80s, um, Tales of the Unexpected. Anybody remember that? With, uh, it was introduced by Roald Dahl. And there was one particular one that I remember, and it was this chap who had invented um, cages which were all um, plugged into the mains, and he had a, a lion and different animals in there. And so whenever the animals went up to the cages, they got an electric shock. And they were so conditioned to this that when he actually took the bars away, and there was just a place where the, the lion or whatever could walk out into the free place he wouldn't go because he was so conditioned to getting electric shock well that is what we are like you see christ has set us free but satan keeps telling us that we're enslaved now satan can't do about anything about closing the prison door he can't do that because christ has owned it and nobody can can close that door again but he can work on our heads. He can make us think that we're still enslaved. Now, if you were, as I said before, if you were bound up, you had you were blindfolded and tied and in fear of death, and then somebody comes along and takes off the blindfold, takes away the, the, the ropes and says, you're free to go, you're not going to sit there with your eyes closed and your hands like this with no ropes on. You're going to run out see and enjoy the freedom that you have and that's what we need to do we need to embrace the freedom that Christ has given us and I want to look at some of the things that freedom allows us to be because it's all very well saying oh we're set free from stuff but we're set free to be something the first thing is freedom to be yourself. Do you feel self-conscious about who you are? When I look in the mirror, which is not very often, um, especially full-length ones, you sort of look and think, well, gravity seems to be taking a a toll on me. And I'm not particularly sort of that person, but still, bits seem to sort of droop and sort of hang down, you know, and you think, well, how how does that happen? And I'm I'm sure, I can't remember a particular time when I looked in the mirror and and it was sort of gradually happening. It was just like suddenly there it is all sort of hanging, you know, loose. And and then there's something like the creases around your your eyes and sort of, and then the hair falling out. And it sort of happened in a gradual way, but although Tracy said that last time she cut my hair this morning, well, yesterday... She said, oh, it's going a bit thinner, and the bit in the middle is joining up with the bit at the front. But I look in the mirror, and I think, I'm getting old. 
And how many of us think, oh, you know, I remember how I used to be. But God made you the way you are. He made your personality the way it's supposed to be. And you might hate the way you, you are, the way you look, the way you feel. Maybe you wanted always to be an extrovert person and you're quite shy. Maybe you're somebody who is a workaholic and spends all their time doing loads and loads of jobs and you think secretly, oh, I wish I was one of those laid-back people who's quiet. And Well, God loves you because he made you the way that you are. When we, when we say born again and new creation, God has made you a new creation in his image. That's the thing. It's you are how he meant you to be. So if you don't love yourself, you're denying the fact that God loves you. He wants you to love yourself as much as he loves you. So when you look in the mirror next, just have a look and say, I love you in the mirror. That's hard for blokes to do, I have to say. But just say it to yourself. God loves me, I love me. And that sets you free then to be the person that God wants you to be. Now, he's not going to turn an extrovert into an introvert, introvert into an extrovert. But what he's going to do is he's going to take what your core personality, your, your traits are, and he's going to make them blossom. So, I've got two tomatoes here. Now, one's from the supermarket and one's from our polytunnel. Now, everybody knows that when you grow your own tomatoes, they always taste much better than the ones from the supermarket. Now, I don't know which is which because I've forgotten, and they look identical. But if I take a bite from one and a bite from the other, I'll instantly know because one tastes much uh, well, it's got a lot more flavour and it's just fruitier and richer than the one that's come from the supermarket. But on the outside, I can't tell. And God wants to transform you through the Holy Spirit from being a bland tomato into a juicy, fruity tomato that everybody wants to taste and, and enjoy. And he can do that if you allow him through the Holy Spirit. You see, that's what being set free is about. It's being set free to be the person God wants you to be, bearing fruit. Paul says in verse 13, You are called to be free, but do not use this freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Now, we've gone through the list um, of all what the sinful nature is, and I think it's quite interesting how, in that list... Have, it, uh, where's the, have you got the reading there? Because I haven't got... Just grab it a minute. In that list, you have idolatry and witchcraft mixed in with... Oh, and, and orgies as well, 
and sexual immorality, but it's also included in discord and jealousy. He makes no difference in the level of sin between having a massive orgy and jealousy. Now, probably in this Baptist church, there aren't many orgies. I may be wrong, but I'm guessing probably not. But Paul, in that list, puts it alongside jealousy. And I can't, I've never been in a church where there haven't been some sort of je- jealousies or even just discord yes, and dissensions. No dissensions here? Are you all getting on wonderfully? Because if you are, you're about the only church in the world. But what are the fruits of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, God can take, through the Holy Spirit, all of those negative things, and he can turn them into those positive things, turning us from bland, slightly horrible fruit into beautiful fruit because we are set free to serve him and freedom from all of those things freedom from bitterness freedom from jealousy freedom from guilt you know how that makes you feel inside don't you whenever you if you've had an argument with somebody and you go away and it hasn't been resolved there's that feeling inside of like oh, you know, tension, it's like butterflies sometimes. I, I can't really describe it, but you know what it's like. Or you've fallen out with somebody, um, or they've fallen out with you, or you're, you've got fear over something. It, it drags you down. And it's like chains attached to you. But yet, yeah, if we concentrate on the fruit, we remember that we are set free, then that act of kindness that you do for somebody, you just feel lifted, don't you? Or if it's a situation where you've forgiven somebody or you've just had a chance to forgive, afterwards you just feel so light, don't you? And just great when that's happened. I've got uh, Tracy, I, I sort of sprung this on her this morning, but there's a little incident that happened to her at work, um, which wasn't her fault, but just shows you just how a little bit of forgiveness can just lighten and just change a situation. So, you use the microphone there, because I'm... Yeah, I work as part of um, a small team, and we support three people in, who have learning disabilities in supported living, and we've actually worked together for a very long time. And sometimes, you know, I'm the only Christian in the team, um, and sometimes it's quite hard, you know, there are conversations that go on that... You want to, to challenge people's attitudes. Sometimes you just end up keeping quiet. Sometimes you have real opportunity to share your perspective and, and how God works in your life. Um, and there's one person that I have had some really good conversations with um, because I've, I've worked with her for about 10 years now. Anyway, uh, about, oh gosh, going on for two months, maybe six weeks ago, um, her daughter gave birth um, prematurely to a little boy and he's absolutely fine very very small but totally healthy and you know but anyway 
the idea was that she didn't want to sort of say too much about the fact that the baby had been born um, in front of one of the people that we support because if anything had happened and this person had had tendency to continually ask, how's the baby, how's the baby, uh, she just felt, you know, quite rightly that um, she wouldn't have been able to sort of cope with it really. So we all did our very best not to mention how was so-and-so, how's the, you know. Um, Anyway, there came a point where through uh, a connection, um, basically uh, the daughter who had just had the baby um, was a hairdresser, is a hairdresser to this particular lady. And this lady's hair was getting longer and longer and nothing had been sort of done about making an appointment. And um, I thought, well, so-and-so's not around. I'll, you know, I'll help out. I'll, I'll sort of like, we've, you know what I mean, take the, get on and not expect one person to sort of do this. Um, and there was a moment where I should have listened and but instead we went out for a walk and we went to the hairdressers I think in the back of my mind I was thinking that my colleague had probably primed um, the, the, the people in the salon not to say too much as soon as we got in the door um, a new hairdresser had come in to stand in said because you know so and so is not here at the moment she's had the baby yay came a couple of months early and I was going like this you know and I just thought, oh, I, I'm, heart was in my boots. And I, I chatted with the lady afterwards and said, um, look, you know, it's best not to say too much because I think so-and-so would like to keep it a little bit private at the moment. So, so don't keep on at her when she comes in. I was trying to be gentle. And I thought I'd better phone my colleague or text my colleague and say, I'm really sorry, best of intentions. We went to make an appointment, but so-and-so let the cat out of the bag. Anyway... I got a text back which was clear that I was in the, the doghouse. And um, I think the natural inclination then, as we often do, is to sort of push it away from ourselves. And I texted back something like, well, why didn't you give them a bit of a heads up at the hairdressers? Why didn't you just tell them? I didn't have any idea. And I thought mm, maybe wasn't the best way to have left it. Anyway... Um, we sometimes work together. Sometimes I go off shift, she's coming on shift, and sometimes the other way. Um, I didn't say any more. I thought, I'm not going to respond anymore. Just leave it there. But a couple of days later, I thought, well, um, I, it was time for me to go off shift. Um, and or, No, come on shift, that's right. She'd already gone. And I thought, oh, maybe she's avoiding me, you know. And So anyway, and then I left it. And then a couple of days later, um, I think I did the same thing and sat in the car and thought, well, I'll just wait a little while. And, you know, and I was just building up a bit. You know, these things can get a bit, they take on a life of their own. Um, I have been praying about it. And I think I was avoiding sort of doing anything or saying anything, doing that kind of, just, just going to wait, see what happens. But I was beginning to build up this sense of dread at, I knew we were going to be working together and I didn't want to have... She's a bit of a redhead and, um, you know, sometimes you don't have to say very much for it to go like that. And um, But I thought, you know, I've got to tackle this. I've got to do something before um, we end up on shift together. And I sat and prayed and I just felt really rotten and I was going over it and overing it and justifying. And I, and 
I just got to a point where I thought, do you know, I don't need to be right. It doesn't matter um, that my intentions were, were good and that there was nothing I could have done about this situation. Actually, because I'm a Christian and God knows my heart and God looks after me, I don't actually, I might want to be right, but I don't need to be right in any situation. So basically, I just texted her and said, I'm really sorry I upset you. I didn't do the sorry buts, but, you know, it was just, I'm really sorry I upset you. Um, See you on Saturday. So the first text I got back was, oh, okay, thanks. And I thought, that's all right, that's fine, you know, she's sort of processing it. And then the next one was, see you Saturday, I'll have the kettle on, kiss. And then, anyway, when I got there on Saturday, I felt, at that point, I felt truly free. Um, And I just thought, oh, the burden lifted. When I got there on Saturday, I won't repeat exactly what she said, but it was like, she saw me, she gave me a hug. She said, you daft, beep, and (laughs) gave me a big hug. And then she said, actually, I think I was the daft one. And, um, and that was the end of it. But, you know, I, as the only Christian in that group, I was the one that knew and who has the freedom and the security to say, I don't need to be right. It doesn't matter the rights and the wrongs. I can be the first one to say sorry in this situation. So just to encourage you, it's really powerful um, and it's part of our, our witness and it is a fruit of the Spirit. So, okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just a little example, really. So that's all I I want to finish on, really. It's just, Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So don't let Satan rob you of that freedom. Don't let him chain you down. Use this opportunity to set other people free as well as yourself. If you need to forgive somebody, go and forgive them. Don't hold on to any of that bitterness, anger, fear, whatever it might be. Just will yourself say, you know, I am set free. I'm a new creation. Remember, Satan cannot close that door that Jesus has opened. Let's pray. Lord Father... We just thank you that you sent your son to die for us so that all our sin can be washed away. And that sin is fear and guilt, um, unforgiveness, all of those things, Lord. Bitterness, all the things of the past. Thank you that you've set us free from that. And Lord, help us to live in that. Help us to be the people you want us to be. Help us to be the people who celebrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Help us to be the fruit that you want us to be so that when people meet us, they will just sense your presence. As your word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Lord, as people meet us, may they be sensing that wonderful goodness of you shining out in our lives. Amen.
Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.